With continual development in technology, hackers and cyber criminals are getting better and better at installing viruses and hacking your electronic devices. We've all had antivirus software, but your run-of-the-mill software just isn't good enough anymore. With Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you have antivirus scans and real-time virus protection, but you'll also have access to a VPN. You'll be protected from targeted ads and tracking. You'll be notified if your data gets leaked by data brokers. And most importantly, it's incredibly easy to set up and use. If you feel like your online protection should be better, use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today and feel safe every day on your devices. I live in Europe, and it's incredibly easy to travel here. By bus, train, or plane, I can be in any other European country in a matter of hours, for pretty cheap. But while I'm in other countries, I still want to check my emails, check my YouTube analytics, and all that fun stuff. Well, by using Surfshark VPN, I changed my location to France using one of their 3,200 plus servers, and I'm no longer annoyed by thousands of emails from Google freaking out saying, Oh my god, there's a computer in Spain trying to hack you! There isn't Google. It's me. And thanks to Surfshark, I'm no longer bothered by these annoying messages. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan, and log into all your accounts anywhere with zero hassle and no annoying emails. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger Chapter 14 After Old Sonny was gone, I sat in the chair for a while and smoked a couple of cigarettes. It was getting daylight outside. Boy, I felt miserable. I felt so depressed, you can't imagine. What I did, I started talking, sort of out loud, to Allie. I do that sometimes when I get very depressed. I keep telling him to go home and get his bike and meet me in front of Bobby Fallon's house. Bobby Fallon used to live quite near us in Maine. This is years ago. Anyway, what happened was, one day, Bobby and I were going over to Lake Sebedego on our bikes. We were going to take our lunches and all, and our BB guns. We were kids and all, and we thought we could shoot something with our BB guns. Anyway, Allie heard us talking about it, and he wanted to go, and I wouldn't let him. I told him he was a child. So, once in a while, now, when I got very depressed, I keep saying to him, Okay, go home and get your bike, and meet me in front of Bobby's house. Hurry up. It wasn't that I didn't used to take him with me when I went somewhere. I did. But that one day, I didn't. He didn't get sore about it. He never got sore about anything. But I keep thinking about it anyway, when I get very depressed. Finally, though, I got undressed and got in bed. I felt like praying or something when I was first in bed, but I couldn't do it. I can't always pray when I feel like it. In the first place, I'm sort of an atheist. I like Jesus and all, but I don't care too much for most of the other stuff in the Bible. Take the disciples, for instance. They annoy the hell out of me, if you want to know the truth. They were all right after Jesus was dead and all, but while he was alive, they were just about as much used to him as a hole in the head. All they did was keep letting him down. 
I like almost anybody in the Bible better than the disciples. If you want to know the truth, the guy I like best in the Bible next to Jesus was that lunatic and all, that lived in the tombs and kept cutting himself with stones. I liked him ten times as much as the disciples, that poor bastard. I used to get in quite a few arguments about it when I was at Wooten School, with this boy that lived down the corridor, Arthur Childs. Old Childs was a Quaker and all, and he read the Bible all the time. He was a very nice kid, and I liked him, but I could never see eye to eye with him on a lot of stuff in the Bible, especially the disciples. He kept telling me that if I didn't like the disciples, then I didn't like Jesus at all. He said that because Jesus picked the disciples, he was supposed to like them. I said I knew he picked him, but he picked them at random, and said he didn't have time to go around analyzing everybody. I said I wasn't blaming Jesus or anything. It wasn't his fault that he didn't have any time. I remember I asked Old Childs if he thought Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus and all, went to hell after he committed suicide. Childs said certainly. That's exactly where I disagree with him. I said I'd bet a thousand bucks that Jesus never sent Old Judas to hell. I still would too if I had a thousand bucks. I think any one of the disciples would have sent him to hell and all, and fast too. But I'll bet anything that Jesus didn't do it. Old child said the trouble with me was that I didn't go to church or anything. He was right about that in a way. I don't. In the first place, my parents are different religions, and all the children in our family are atheists. If you want to know the truth, I can't even stand ministers. The ones they had at every school I've gone to, they all have these holy Joe voices when they start giving their sermons. God, I hate that. I don't see why the hell they can't talk in their natural voice. They sound so phony when they talk. Anyway, when I was in bed, I couldn't pray worth a damn. Every time I got started, I kept picturing Old Sonny calling me a crumbum. Finally, I sat up in bed and smoked another cigarette. It tasted lousy. I must have smoked around two packs since I left Pensy. All of a sudden, while I was laying there smoking, somebody knocked on the door. I kept hoping it wasn't my door they were knocking on, but I knew damn well it was. I don't know how I knew, but I knew. I knew who it was too. I'm psychic. Who's there? I said. I was pretty scared. I'm very yellow about those things. They just knocked again, though, louder. Finally, I got on my bed with just my pajamas on and opened the door. I didn't even have to turn the light on in the room because it was already daylight. Old Sunny and Maurice, the pimpy elevator guy, were standing there. "What's the matter? What do you want?" I said. "Boy, my voice was shaking like hell." "Nothing much," Old Maurice said. "Just five bucks." He did all the talking for the two of them. Old Sunny just stood there next to him, with her mouth open and all. I paid her already. I gave her five bucks. Ask her, I said. Boy, my voice was shaking. It's ten bucks, Chief. I told you that. Ten bucks for a throw. Fifteen bucks till noon. I told you that. You did not tell me that. You said five bucks a throw. You said fifteen bucks till noon, all right. But I distinctly heard you. Open up, Chief. What for? I said, "God, my old heart was damn near beating out of the room. I wished I was dressed at least. It's terrible to be in your pajamas when something like that happens." Let's go, Chief," Old Maurice said. 
Then he gave me a big shove with his crummy hand. I damn near fell over on my can. He was a huge son of a bitch. The next thing I knew, he and Old Sonny were both in the room. They acted like they owned the place. Old Sonny sat down on the windowsill. Old Maurice sat down in the big chair and loosened his collar and all. He was wearing this elevator operator's uniform. Boy, was I nervous. All right, Chief. Let's have it. I gotta get back to work. I told you about ten times. I don't owe you a cent. I already gave her the five. Cut the crap now. Let's have it. Why should I give her another five bucks? I said. My voice was cracking all over the place. You're trying to chisel me. Old Maurice unbuttoned his whole uniform coat. All he had on underneath was this phony shirt collar. But no shirt or anything. He had a big, fat, hairy stomach. Nobody's trying to chisel nobody, he said. Let's have it, chief. No. When I said that, he got up from his chair and started walking towards me and all. He looked like he was very, very tired or very, very bored. God, I was scared. I sort of had my arms folded, I remember. It wouldn't have been so bad, I don't think, if I hadn't had just my pajamas on. Let's have it, chief. He came right up to where I was standing. That's all he could say. Let's have it, chief. He was a real moron. No. Chief, you're going to force me into roughing you up a little bit. I don't want to do it, but that's the way it looks, he said. You owe us five bucks. I don't owe you five bucks, I said. If you rough me up, I'll yell like hell. I'll wake everybody in the hotel, the police and all. My voice was shaking like a bastard. Go ahead. Yell your goddamn head off. Fine, old Maurice said. When your parents know you spent the night with a whore? A high-class kid like you? He was pretty sharp in his crummy way. He really was. Leave me alone. If you said ten, it'd be different, but you distinctly... Are you gonna let us have it? He had me right up against the damn door. He was almost standing on top of me. His crummy, old, hairy stomach and all. Leave me alone. Get the hell out of my room. I said. I still had my arms folded and all. God, what a jerk I was. Then Sonny said something for the first time. Hey, Maurice, want me to get his wallet? She said. It's right on the whatchamacallit. Yeah, get it. Leave my wallet alone. I already got it, Sonny said. She waved five bucks at me. See, all I'm taking is the five bucks you owe. I'm no crook. All of a sudden, I started to cry. I'd give anything if I hadn't, but I did. No, you're no crooks, I said. You're just stealing five. Shut up, old Maurice said and gave me a shove. Leave him alone, hey, Sonny said. Come on, hey. We got the dough he owes us. Let's go. Come on, eh? I'm coming, old Maurice said. But he didn't. I mean it, Maurice. Hey, leave him alone. Who's hurting anybody, he said innocent as hell. Then what he did, he snapped his finger very hard on my pajamas. I won't tell you where he snapped it, but it hurt like hell. I told him he was a goddamn dirty moron. What's that? He said. He put his hand behind his ear like a deaf guy. What's that? What am I? I was still sort of crying. I was so damn mad and nervous and all. 
You're a dirty moron, I said. You're a stupid, chiseling moron, and in about two years you'll be one of those scraggy guys that come up to you on the street and ask for a dime for coffee. You'll have snot all over your dirty, filthy coat, and you'll be... Then he smacked me. I didn't even try to get out of the way, or duck, or anything. All I felt was this terrific punch in my stomach. I wasn't knocked out or anything, though, because I remember looking up from the floor and seeing them both go out the door and shut it. Then, I stayed on the floor for a fairly long time. Sort of the way I did with Stradladder. Only this time, I thought I was dying. I really did. I thought I was drowning or something. The trouble was, I could hardly breathe. When I did finally get up, I had to walk to the bathroom, all doubled up and holding onto my stomach and all. But I'm crazy. I swear to God I am. About halfway to the bathroom, I sort of started pretending I had a bullet in my guts. Old Maurice had plugged me. Now I was on the way to the bathroom to get a good shot of bourbon or something to steady my nerves and help me really go into action. I pictured myself, coming out of the goddamn bathroom, dressed and all, with my automatic in my pocket, and staggering around a little bit. Then I'd walk downstairs instead of using the elevator. I'd hold onto the banister and all, with this blood trickling out of the side of my mouth a little at a time. What I'd do, I'd walk down a few floors, holding onto my guts blood leaking all over the place, and then I'd ring the elevator bell. As soon as old Maurice opened the doors, he'd see me with the automatic in my hand, and he'd start screaming at me in this very high-pitched, yellow-belly voice to leave him alone. But I'd plug him anyway. Six shots, right through his fat, hairy belly. Then I'd throw my automatic down the elevator shaft after I'd wiped off all the fingerprints and all. Then I'd crawl back to my room and call up Jane, and have her come over and bandage up my guts. I pictured her, holding a cigarette for me to smoke while I was bleeding and all. The goddamn movies. They can ruin you. I'm not kidding. I stayed in the room for about an hour, taking a bath and all. Then I got back in bed. It took me quite a while to get to sleep. I wasn't even tired, but finally I did. What I really felt like, though, was committing suicide. I felt like jumping out the window. I probably would have done it, too, if I'd been sure somebody'd cover me up as soon as I landed. I didn't want a bunch of stupid rubbernecks looking at me when I was all gory. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening, and until next time, bye-bye.